Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 9, the Word of God says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. And let's pray. Lord, these verses that we read are tremendous. The amount of doctrine in them could keep us busy for many, many weeks just studying the depth and breadth and height of it. But yet, Lord, today we focus on one word, one doctrine that is so vital to our understanding of salvation and and what you've done to us and for us through the new birth. And I pray that you'd give us all understanding today. I pray if there's one here today that's not saved, that as they come under the sound of the preaching of the Word of God, that conviction would set in and they would trust you. And Lord, for those who are saved, I pray that we would understand more about just how saved we are, the amazing miracle of salvation. And thank you for how beautiful and thorough our salvation truly is. We love you. Pray that you'd bless me as I speak, may they be your words, and the hearers, they listen. Give us ears to hear, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so many wonderful doctrines we could focus on in these verses we read, but there's one word and one doctrine that I want to focus on. That's the doctrine of justification. So we have spent some weeks in the morning going through the sermon series called The Beauty of Salvation. Uh, And the the goal is not just to learn facts about our salvation, but to really be reminded of the beauty of it. Salvation is a beautiful thing. And the the ways God explains it to us in the Scripture as we investigate those, just the the beauty of salvation becomes clear, much as a, a beautiful rose as it just begins to open and its petals lay open and you just see all the intricacies, the shade variations, the textures of that beautiful rose as it begins to open, we see salvation in a new way as we study the beauty of it. And today we're going to talk about uh, justification or being justified. And this isn't just a book report. This is is so vital to our understanding of how we interact with God and how God interacts with us. Justification is a vital doctrine that explains the beauty and fullness of our eternal salvation. I first ask you, have you been justified? 
Have you been justified? You say, oh, you know what that means. Well, you're about to. And as you go through this, I want you to consider, have you been justified? Have you been born again? And then you say, preacher, I I know I've been justified. Uh, Let's just revel and glory in the beauty of our salvation. The word justify is used regularly in our conversation today. Uh, For example, you can justify the words in a document. If you uh, do any printing or you use a, a Microsoft Word or any type of printing program and you can justify the sides of your words to where they'll make a straight line on the left side of your text. And if you justify that, it'll make all the words straight on the right side of the text and just make it look clean. It it makes them equal. One side equals the other side. You can justify words in a document. You can justify your actions. You ever heard someone say, "Stop, stop justifying yourself? Or people, they'll do something and then they'll, they'll begin trying to justify the decision they made. And you're like, stop justifying that. You can't justify that action. You can't justify the words you said. You can't make that right. Uh, sometimes we make excuses for others in trying to justify someone else's actions. Uh, the word justify has many definitions. It can, uh, just in everyday language, it can, justify can mean to prove or show to be just or righteous. So when you justify yourself, it's, I'm trying to show you that I was right. That could be one meaning of justify. Justify can also mean to defend, to defend your actions or the actions of another, to defend something. I'm justifying this. To justify could mean to clear from guilt or to show innocence. But when it comes to the Bible, the word justification has a very specific meaning, uh, especially when it comes to salvation. The the word justify is used in other ways, as we just talked about uh, in the Bible. But the main meaning of the word, and specifically when it comes to salvation, it has a definite meaning. And uh, it's, it's just a wonderful truth. Here's what Baker's Encyclopedia of the Bible says. Justification is the act of God in bringing sinners into a new covenant relationship with himself through the forgiveness of sins. So it's part of our salvation. Justification is a declarative act of God by which he establishes persons as righteous, that is, in true and right relationship with himself. Uh, Here's what justification means. To justify when it comes to salvation is when God declares that a person is righteous. God declares that a person is righteous. Now, this does not mean that God just subjectively changes someone and says, okay, you're you're just righteous, just because I say. I just say you're righteous. No, no, no. Justification is actually a legal type word that means the verdict of the judge is you are innocent. So it's not just a random saying, well, I I think that you're okay, I'm just going to say that you're innocent. No, it is after investigation and after all the, the evidence has been shown, I declare you righteous. An easy way to remember what justification means is it's just as if I never sinned. Think about that. When God looks at a person who's been justified, God looks at them just as if they never sinned at all. If you know church history, the word justification comes up 
Uh, in the Middle Ages, uh, Martin Luther made it uh, a little bit more famous when it had been lost. You remember Martin Luther was a Catholic priest, and he was studying the book of Romans. And he realized through studying of the Bible that justification was by faith alone. Justification wasn't because you were a Catholic. Justification wasn't if the priest absolved you of your sins. Justification wasn't if you bought indulgences. You didn't go to heaven by being baptized as a baby or by keeping the law. You got to heaven by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. And that was ground-shaking because at the time the Catholic Church was pervasive in Europe and oppressive. And he took his 95 thesis and nailed it to the wall of the church there and, and uh, became really a fugitive. Uh, but that spurned on a, a bit of the Reformation, we call it, where people began to come out of that Catholic system and realize that, no, you get saved by faith in Christ. The good news is you're in a Baptist church. Baptists are not part of the Reformation. We were never part of the Catholic Church in the first place. The Catholic Church was, was hunting us and persecuting people like us and even killing us because we wouldn't submit to infant baptism and, and the lordship of the priests and all that. We always believed that there was salvation only by faith in Christ. And that's a blessing. Uh, but... These other people that were a part of that system, and Martin Luther specifically realized by studying the Bible, no, justification is by faith alone in Christ. And so justified means just as if I never sinned. Justification means your record has been expunged, that we've been fully pardoned. This is exciting. Justification means that we have no guilt or shame in the sight of God. Think about that. We have no guilt or shame in the sight of God. Salvation wipes the slate clean. You're fresh and clean as the new snow, white in the sight of God. Look, we'll come back to Romans chapter 5. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It's a wonderful passage of Scripture that shows us the Dramatic change that takes place when someone is justified. Aren't you glad the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from every sin? There's no stain too deep, there's no sin too dark that the blood of Christ cannot cleanse when applied through faith. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, look at verse 9, if you're there, say amen. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Hey, that's a true statement. If you're not born again, you're unrighteous. If you're unrighteous, you're not going to heaven. Read on. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. What's he saying? Don't think that you're, gonna, that you're going to have this kind of sin on your record and get to heaven. Don't think that you're going to have an unrighteous record and go to heaven. These people don't go to heaven. That's what he's saying. Be not deceived. But look at the next verse. Verse 11, 
And such were some of you. But ye are washed, ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Notice the transformation that happens when someone's born again. They're washed in the blood of Christ. They're sanctified and set apart for God. They are justified just as if they never sinned in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. This means, and he says, such were, past tense, some of you. He's talking to the church at Corinth. This means that in the church of Corinth, some had been fornicators. They had been idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, abusers of themselves, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners. That's who they were. But that's not what God sees when he looks at them now. Isn't that good news? Why? They've been washed. They've been sanctified. They've been justified. This is the transformative power of salvation. I'm so thankful for the gospel. Don't answer this out loud, but what did God see when he looked at your record before Christ? What a multitude of sins could God have placed on our record? And the truth is, even the ones we know of, we're not, there are countless ones we weren't even aware of at the time. Things we have forgotten about. But once you get born again, when God looks at your record, He sees the righteousness of Christ. Just as if you never sinned. Isn't that a blessing? Let me give you a couple thoughts here about <coughs> uh, salvation and justification, and we'll go to the house. Let me say, number one, justification was promised in the Old Testament. It was promised in the Old Testament. Look at Isaiah 45. Isaiah chapter 45. Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 25 says, In the Lord shall all the seed of Israel be justified and shall glory. So justification was promised in the Old Testament. Look at Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, the great gospel chapter in the Old Testament. <coughs> People say the Old Testament doesn't, doesn't talk about salvation through Christ. It talks about salvation through the Messiah. This is the John chapter 3 of the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 53, and you can read all those uh, wonderful things here. Look at verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. That's the Messiah. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Verse 11. He shall see the travail. He, God, the Father, shall see the travail of his, God, the Son's soul, and shall be satisfied. See, we see the sufficiency of Christ. Christ's sacrifice was a sufficient for the atonement of man's sins. The Father was satisfied by the offering. Read on. By His knowledge shall my righteous servant, that's the Messiah, justify many. He'll make many right with God. He'll make many innocent. He'll make many righteous. My righteous servant justify many. Why? For he shall bear their iniquities. And we know that, that math of, of the gospel where 
our sin was laid upon Christ. And as we put our faith in Christ, His, His righteousness is placed upon us. And when God looks at us, He sees us just as if we never sinned. Because He sees the righteousness of Christ. Justification was promised in the Old Testament. Don't turn there, but let me read you a great verse from Galatians chapter 3 and verse 8. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. This is a powerful verse that shows us that in the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis chapter 12, God taught Abraham the gospel. That whenever he said, in thee all nations shall be blessed, that was God preaching the gospel to Abraham. And so you can go back and study that. It was a mystery in Old Testament times and revealed little by little throughout the Old Testament. And it was now we look back and we see with 2020 vision backwards, the Messiah, the, the, the fact that Christ was going to have to die for our sins, before He saved us from this crazy world. He was going to die for the Jews before He saved the Jews from their oppressors. That is clearly seen now all throughout the Old Testament and fully revealed in the New Testament. Justification was promised in the Old Testament. Let me say number two. Justification was prohibited by man's works. So God promised justification, but he also warned them, justification is not something you can get by yourself. Look at the book of Job. Book of Job and chapter 9. And look at verse 2. I know it is so of a truth, but how should a man be just with God? Hey, that's the question for the ages. Lost people all over the world asking, how can I be just with God? How can I be right with God? How can I have a relationship with God? And they try all kinds of religious systems and different philosophies, and they'll fashion a God out of their own mind and their own heart. But the eternal question is, how can a man be just with God? Look at verse 3. If he will contend with him, he cannot answer him. If he, a man, will contend with him, God, he, the man, cannot answer him, a one of a thousand. All right, so listen, even if you could talk to God and, and declare and demand and, 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 and just make your case to God, you have no case. You're a sinner. You can't be made just with God on your own. Look at verse 20, Job chapter 9 and verse 20. If I justify myself... Mine own mouth shall condemn me. If I say I am perfect, it shall also prove me perverse. See, this is what the world tries to do. They try to justify themselves by saying that sin is not sin. They try to justify themselves by saying that they're not in the wrong, that they've done nothing wrong. Uh, we see this today. They don't want to agree with God about what sin is. Well, I just don't think that's a sin. Well, you, you saying that you don't think it's a sin doesn't make you guiltless. You trying to convince everybody, well, well here's, here's what I believe. Here's, here's my religious philosophy. Here's the, here's the, the, the uh, denomination that I'm with. Here's how I read the Bible. You cannot justify yourself. And even when we try to justify ourselves, all we do is condemn ourselves. The justification was promised in the Old Testament, but it was also prohibited by man's works. 
Listen to this fact. We can never be justified and saved by the same law that we have broken. We have broken God's law. We can't be saved by trying to keep that which we have already broken countless times. Look at Acts chapter 13. Well, I just love the book, don't you? It's so deep and wonderful. Acts chapter 13. Look at verse 38. Be it known unto you therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, that's Christ, is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. Verse 39. And by him all that believe are what? Justified from all things, from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. So Christ is able to justify us from all things. The law is not able to justify us. The law is there to condemn us. The law proves that we need a Savior. Look at Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3 and verse 20. Now look at verse 19. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and that all the world may become what? Guilty before who? Before God. The law is God teaching us how guilty we are before Him. Now you and I can lie to ourselves and say, no, this is okay, and that's okay, and we don't believe that, that verse, and the preacher doesn't believe that. We'll, we'll go to a church that teaches us everything's okay. It's not about us trying to justify ourselves with each other. You need to be justified before God. But it's the law that proves we're guilty before God. All right, let's read on. Verse 20. Therefore, or because of this, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. Why? For by the law is the knowledge of sin. I want you to look at me very carefully. The law was not given to save you. The law was given to condemn you. The law is the measuring stick that shows us how far we're off. The law is the mirror that when we look into it, it shows us how short we fall. The law proves us guilty. Why is that important? Because only the guilty need justification. Just like only the sick need a doctor and only the lost need a savior. This is why although we preach a gospel of hope, we have to preach against sin. We have to show people they're guilty. We have to show people that they don't measure up to a holy God because if they're not lost, they can't be saved. If they don't know they're condemned, they don't know they need to be justified. And so justification was promised in the Old Testament, but it was prohibited by man's works. Justification does not come through keeping the law or being a good person. All right, let me say number three. Justification was performed by Christ Jesus. So how do we get justified? It's through Jesus. Uh, look at Romans chapter 3 and verse 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested or made known. So you get righteousness with God without the law. It's not by the law you get righteousness. You get righteousness without the law. How does this happen? Look at verse 22. 
Even the righteousness of God, which is by what? Faith in who? Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that what? Believe. So salvation comes through Christ and faith in Christ. It's Christ who died for us. Look at verse 24. Uh, Verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Remember what we said? You've got to be lost before you can get saved. You need to understand you're condemned before you can be justified. Verse 24, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in who? Christ Jesus. So justification was performed by Christ Jesus. And notice this phrase, freely by His grace. We've been being justified freely by His grace. This means that the free love and favor of God, that justification is offered freely based on the finished work of Jesus Christ. Justification is based on redemption. Justification is not just a mere verbal allocation, but it's a legal verdict that the sacrifice of Christ was sufficient to pay for your sin. That's good news. Think about this. We're in a courtroom. Man stands condemned before the judge. The judge is up on the podium. A convicted person in front of the judge, behind the judge, the family in the gallery. A family member looks to their convicted loved ones and says, It's okay. I believe you're innocent. Well, that's wonderful. But that's not the same as the judge looking at the convicted person and pronouncing a verdict you're innocent, not guilty. That makes sense to you? There's a huge difference. And we can look at each other all day and say, oh, you're okay. Oh, that wasn't that bad. Oh, I'm this denomination. Oh, I'm this religion. It means nothing. It's meaningless. The only thing that matters is if the judge justifies you. If the judge gives you a legal verdict of not guilty. Why? Not guilty, not just based on because I feel like I feel like you're not guilty. It's based on, look what Jesus Christ did for you. And when the judge of all the earth, he looks to the cross of Calvary and he sees the finished work of Christ and our sins have been paid for and we put our faith in Christ, he now looks at us and says, not guilty because the debt has been paid. That's good news. You know, it'll be a good day for you when you stop worrying about, uh, well, I don't feel saved today. I don't feel like I'm a very, I don't feel. Don't go on your feelings near as much as you go on the Word of God. Let the Word of God determine your doctrine, not your feelings and your experience. And what happens is if you get your doctrine right, then the feelings come in the right place. It's a wonderful thing. Look at verse 25, Romans chapter 3 verse 25, whom God, Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation. We preached about that a couple Sunday nights ago. It's another beautiful word about salvation. It means a covering or an atonement, an atoning sacrifice. So Jesus Christ was our atoning sacrifice through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past 
through the forbearance of God. Verse 26, to declare, I say at this time, His, Christ's righteousness, that He, Christ, might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in him. So Jesus Christ is the just justifier. He didn't die for his own sins. He had no sin, so he could die in our place. He justifies us. Isn't that good news? Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 9, and we read that in our text. Much more than being now justified by his blood, Christ's blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. See, it's, it's Christ who performed justification for us. Justification was promised in the Old Testament. It was prohibited by man's works. It was performed by Christ. Uh, let me say next, justification is procured by faith in the gospel. Look at Romans chapter 3 again and verse 28. Now look at verse 27. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. See, look at me. If you got saved by how good you were, that's a merit system. And now we could all say, I'm better than you, and I've got this, and I'm not like you, and I didn't do this. Folks, the ground's level at the cross. We're all sinners. There's no room for boasting. You ought never look at somebody else and maybe they've got a rough past or, or you didn't walk their road. You can't look at them and say, I'm better than you and, and I never went down that road and I'm more saved than you are. No, no, no. The ground's level. You'd be in hell if it wasn't for Jesus Christ. And I'm talking to the youngest person in this room, to the oldest person in this room. I'm talking to the ex-felon and whatever terrible past you've had. And we can go to the prison and preach the same message. And we can go to minimum and maximum and preach the same message. Because it doesn't matter. We're all sinners. We're all condemned. We're all going to hell but Christ. The ground's level at the cross. Look at verse 28. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by what? Faith. So we know that Christ's justification was performed by Jesus Christ, but now it's procured by faith. So justification is available. How do we get it? How can we access justification? How can we become justified? It's through faith and through faith in Christ. But look at verse 28. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. It's not Jesus Christ plus anything. It's Christ alone. Isn't that good news? Verse 30. Seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision, those are the Jews, by faith, and the uncircumcision through faith. Aren't you glad there's just one mode of salvation? It's not the Jews get saved one way and the Americans get saved one way and the Indians get saved one way and the Chinese get saved one way. We all get saved the same way. And that's by faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord for that. Notice it says circumcision here. Circumcision doesn't matter. The Jews thought that that was almost like a, what would be considered a sacrament today. It was, it was a necessary part of their religion. But we know that uh, as we've read here and we've, we've discussed thoroughly that man's not saved through works, we're not justified by circumcision. We're not justified by baptism. 
Baptism doesn't save you. It doesn't wash away your sins. You can't be justified by good works. You don't get saved by keeping the same law that you've broken countless times. Uh, You don't get justified by the sacraments. There's no priest that can absolve you of sins. There's no work that you can do to gain you eternal favor with God to overcome your sin debt. Indulgences don't bring justification. In the Catholic doctrine where you can almost get a prepaid sin card and you can give a little extra, you can sacrifice a little bit more so now you can sin and it won't be added to your record. That's not how we're justified. You're not justified by offerings. All over the world people live a wicked life and then when they die they leave a lot of money to some church thinking that they're going to buy their way into heaven. You can't buy your way into heaven. Religious systems are not the path to justification. We're justified by faith. Look at Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Therefore being justified by faith. I love this. We have peace with God. Do you have peace with God today? There's nothing more sweet, there's nothing more special than when you lay your head on your pillow at night, you're drifting off to sleep, and you know that you and God are okay. That's priceless. Peace with God. We've talked a lot about works, we've talked a lot about people trying to earn their way to heaven. Let me show you uh, an important verse, Galatians chapter 5. There's a false doctrine running around that, uh, in some Christian circles that needs to be addressed. Well, look at Galatians chapter 2 while we're there. It's all good. This is a good verse for when you're talking to people who think that you get saved by keeping the law, being a good person. Galatians 2.16 knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. Can it get any clearer than that? Do you need it in a billboard? Do you need it in some fancy font? Do you need it to like blink at you in neon? Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, in case you didn't get it at the beginning of the verse. And not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Three times in that one verse, God tells you, you can't be justified by works. Amen? Verse 21, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Powerful verse. If you could get saved by being good, then Jesus Christ died for no reason. Look at Galatians chapter 3. In verse 24, we talked about this. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster. What's a schoolmaster do? It teaches. So the law was our teacher to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. Again, the law was our teacher teaching us that we are lost and need a Savior. But some people still don't get it. Look at Galatians chapter 5 and look at verse Three, for I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is debtor to do the whole law. This is so important. I want you to look at me. Circumcision, again, being part of the law. If you think that you're going to earn your way to heaven by keeping the law, 
then you are debtor to do the whole law. You have to do it all. You can't pick and choose and say, well, I've never murdered anybody, and I've never really stolen anything worth over like 500 bucks, and I've never really done this, and I've never done... No, you've got to keep the whole law. You're, you're in debt to the whole law, which is perfection. And you've already blown that by the virtue of your sin. So once again, you can't be saved by the law that you've already broken. Look at verse 4. Christ is become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law. Ye are fallen from grace. So this is powerful. What does this mean? If you're trying to be good to earn your salvation, you cancel out salvation by Christ. Christ is of no effect to you. What's God saying? You're either saved by being perfect and keeping the law, or you can be saved through Christ. You can't mix the two. Because if you add any works to salvation through Christ, that cancels out the sacrifice of Christ. Christ has become of no effect unto you. It's not Christ plus works, it's Christ alone. That's good news. Unless you're trying to earn your way to heaven somehow, which then you miss the whole point, go back to the law. You can't earn your way to heaven, you're already condemned. But notice there it says, ye are fallen from grace. I grew up in a part of my family went to Pentecostal type churches, Pentecostal, apostolic uh, charismatic type churches, and they had this term fallen from grace where they, they used it to mean that you, well, you lost your salvation. You were saved, but then you sinned, and now you lost your salvation, so now you need to be saved again. You need to go through the process of salvation again. That is not at all what this verse teaches. Fallen from grace is not losing your salvation. Listen very carefully. Fallen from grace means you're choosing to try to be saved by works, you are rejecting grace. You're falling away from grace. I don't want to be saved by grace. I want to be saved by circumcision. I want to be saved by my good works. And as soon as you turn to works to save you, you are falling away from grace. And we know that we're saved by grace through faith, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 tells us. Not of works. And so, fallen from grace is a term. It doesn't mean you're losing your salvation. Rather, it means that you fall short of receiving God's grace because you're seeking to justify yourself. But as we're justified through grace and through faith in Christ, God looks at us as if we've always kept His perfect law. That's pretty good stuff, isn't it? We said, number one, justification was promised in the Old Testament. Number two, justification was prohibited by man's works. Number three, justification was performed by Christ Jesus. Number four, justification procured by faith in the gospel. Let me say lastly, justification is perfected by works. Justification is perfected by works. Turn to James chapter 2. Another controversial portion of Scripture that we'll... Shine some light on for you. Is this helpful to you this morning? Look at James chapter 2 and verse 22. 
Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made what? Perfect. That word perfect here means completed or fulfilled. Uh, here's the eternal question, and we've, we've already discussed this an awful lot. Can you be saved by works, or do you have to add works to salvation? I know we've already dealt with that thoroughly, but James chapter 2 is one of the portions of scriptures where people get confused and they'll turn to some of these verses to try to prove that no works are necessary for salvation. Let me clear this up for you. All right, look at James chapter 2 and verse 14. And here's verses 14 through 26 are where the, uh, the complications begin for some people. Verse 14, James chapter 2. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and not works, can faith save him? That's the question. Well, then it goes on to say, if a brother or sister be naked or destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, and be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful for the body, what doth it profit? Verse 17, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Now this is where some people say, see, faith alone is not enough to save you. Faith has to be mixed with works. Let me give you a couple minute explanation that I think will clear this up for you. If you, if you understand James chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 teach Christians not to live by what they see, but to live by what God's word says. And you can look at that later in your own time. He reminds them that, listen, if you have respect of persons, you're not right with God. If you see two people come in the church and one looks rich and he's, he's well appointed and he drives in in the, the parking lot with a, an expensive car and he comes in, he's wearing nice jewelry and flashy and she's, she's just dressed to the nines and, and looking sharp. And, and then right behind them walks in maybe a bus family or a family that's here looking for some other's money or some help. They can't pay their rent. They're having trouble with your, their utilities. If you look at those two people and you treat them differently based on what you see, that's not right. We don't, we don't live by what we see. We live based on what God says. And verses 1 through 13 teach Christians that lesson. But then in verse 14, the chapter pivots and tells a different story, but a correlating, a correlating truth. Verses 14 through 26 explain to Christians that unbelievers do live by what they see and not by what we say. So see the difference? God is teaching us not to live by what you see, live by what God says, and then God is teaching us the world is not that way. They live by what they see, and what, what they see is more important than what you say. So here's the truth. If I say I'm a Christian, but I don't act like one, that's unprofitable to them. It means nothing to them. They don't, they don't live their lives. They don't make decisions based on what you say as a Christian. They live their lives based on how you act as a Christian. And this is why verse 22 kind of explains it all, that faith is perfected by works. Not that works save us and works added to faith create some magic potion that's going to earn your salvation. No, faith alone is enough to save you, but it's not enough to save them. 
because they live by what they see. This chapter is not a discussion of the necessity of works for salvation. We've already proved from the Bible that works have no part in our redemption. Christ alone can save us from our sins. But this portion of Scripture demonstrates the difference between what we say and what others see. You can't see the salvation in my heart. But you can see what I do. And we're not going to win a lost world by simply saying the right things. We win the lost world by doing what God says and then they see Christ in us. And the list goes on and on. Justification. We are justified in the sight of God by our faith. We are justified in the sight of man by our works. And this is how faith and works go together. If you say you're saved, live like you're saved. If you say you follow Jesus, live like Jesus. This is why hypocrisy is such a terrible sin. Because it betrays the work of God in our hearts. If we say we believe in Christ and we live like the devil, that gives the enemies of the Lord an opportunity to blaspheme and disbelieve. But whenever our faith is mixed with works, now our faith becomes alive. It's a living faith, not to me, but to the world around me. Do you strive to live like Christ? Are you going to wake up in the morning and say, Lord, I want to be like you. I want to talk like you would talk. I want to think about what you'd think about. I want the people at the store to see you. I want the people that know me best to see Christ in me. I want to have the character of Christ. Because the people that you love, they don't just need your words. They need to see your faith in action. They need to see a living faith. God receives the glory when we walk worthy of our Christian name. Satan steals the victory when we soil the name of Christ by a wavering profession. We've been justified. Let's live like it. There's a song. The chorus says, I'm justified. I'm happy in Jesus today. The sins I've committed, they're all in the past. They've all been forgiven, and He holds me fast. I'm justified. I'm justified. I'm happy in Jesus today. You know, when you realize you're justified, it will make you happy. It'll put a smile on your face. The burdens you carry don't seem quite so heavy. Have you been justified? I ask you today, has there been a time in your life when you've trusted Jesus to save you? If not, you are buried under the condemnation of your own sinfulness. And if you were to die at this moment, you would meet God in your sins and you would be condemned to an eternity without Him in a fiery hell. That's not my truth. That's God's truth. But if you're willing to trust Jesus and what He did for you on the cross, all your sins are paid for and God can look at you just as if you never sinned. 
If you have been justified, let's strive to live up to his great salvation. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for the chance to gather this morning. We thank you for this truth. Thank you for the depth of the scriptures. Such a powerful book. Truly life-changing. Can change our eternal destination. Change our daily direction. Lord, we ask that you'd speak to our hearts today. Save those that need saved. Lord, may we all rejoice in our salvation who are born again. May we strive to live like you so that our faith can be perfected, made whole and complete as the world sees us living like you. Empower us to do so. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's stand. We'll take just a moment. If the Lord spoke to your heart, the altar's open, the piano plays. If you're not sure you're saved,